Hello and welcome to Dinosaur Man Spookcast. I'm Andy Booze and I'm here with Alex Hood, son of a zombie. We've We're joined by a werewolf. <laughs> we both had a little something to start this mm-hmm. episode. I also got... Wait. <laughs> a screaming door. It's the longest door sound I ever thought they could do. Alright, that's enough now. Calm down, soundboard city. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything for Alex Hudson at short notice, so you are Alex Hudson. Alex Bloodson. Oh, Speaking that's of blood. so much better. Oh, no, I don't like that. No, stop it. The audience won't like that either. ASMR? No. No? Okay, that's enough soundboards. Do you want me to do a sound? Yeah. Okay. Name me something from horror. Um, can you do bats? Okay, yeah, you did mice, but that's fine. Um, what are bats if not mice with wings? They are rodents with wings. We know that. Welcome, guys, to a very spooky episode. I want to listen to a podcast. <laughs> we are joined by the count from Sesame Street. I want to add new listenerships. <laughs> Where have you been all this time? We could have done with your help so long ago. I've been asleep for 1,000 years. Um, as you can see, guys, this is not your standard news and reviews. No. Or your booze or rev-booze. <laughs> Regooze. Booze. Boo. What? Booze instead of news and instead of reviews. Because booze. of a ghost says boo. Yes. But ghosts don't say boo. Um, when was the last time you saw a ghost? Uh, last night. Did you say boo? Yep. Then you've proven me right. Oh, wait, I meant to say no. I also meant to say not last night. Or ever. I don't know, maybe I have seen a ghost. Have you ever seen a ghost? Yeah. When? Those times. What was the best ghost? So, like... Casper. Yeah, I did want to see Casper. We've we've had this conversation, haven't we? Yeah, um, Burger King had the Casper toys, right? Well, I went. Or was saw... it McDonald's? No, I don't know. Somewhere had McDonald's. Uh, someone had Casper toys. So I once saw Casper, okay. which I think might not have actually happened. Yeah, but I also once saw a Victorian woman mm-hmm. um, in my house. I saw Victoria Beckham in my house. Um, okay, okay, silence. Okay. Yeah, I've seen a couple of ghosts. I think. Okay, I not, think the thing is. When I was younger, mm-hmm. and I think I was a lot more susceptible to the belief of right. the supernatural, yeah. I saw more ghosts. Mm-hmm. As I'm older... Yeah. And now no. you've got proof of the supernatural. Yeah. There's Joe Pederecki. <laughs> yeah. Jensen Ackles. <laughs> and the other guys. <laughs> the well, the film The Other Guys. Who's the guy who plays... Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Castillo. Oh. I don't know. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, what a man. Uh, okay, he's the so proof, he's the proof that God exists. Okay, here's here's the <laughs> thing for you. Um, okay, imagine if you could only see one ghost in your life, but then you wasted it on an orb. <laughs> like when you, you feel like you get shortchanged, you could have had a ghost ship. Yeah, like God says to you when you die. Okay, um, I'm going to prove to you that. Wait, hang on. Yeah, well, I'm going <laughs> to prove to you number one that I exist. It's me, God. Wow. Or whoever your God is. And then he says, or she, because of, mm-hmm. you know, God. God's yeah. everybody. It was an omnipotent force. God's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Uh, and says, right, you get to see one ghost before you go to heaven or hell or whatever this is. And then you go, okay, cool. Is it like I get to choose? Like, oh, maybe I'd like to see maybe my grandmother. Mm-hmm. No. You get to see... A randomly assigned ghost, hmm. and it might be King Boo from Mario. <laughs> yeah, or it might just be boring version of King Boo from Mario, just an orb, <laughs> which is basically all he is, except he opens his mouth. Well, we all know that Yvette Fielding in Most Haunted was. She's seen of orbs. so many. Well, she's seen so many orbs. She's had more than her fill. <laughs> and you know when Derek Akora died, yeah. he didn't get to see a real ghost because Yvette Fielding had already seen his. <laughs> Isn't that rude? She stole his ghost. Wow. Everyone gets one. It's the rule. It's God's rule. Bitfield has just stolen loads and she's always seen orbs. It might be that half of our listenership gets up to heaven or hell 
and doesn't get to see a ghost you, uh, it's because just like, of Fielding seen fielding four thousand orbs. Sorry, guys. So if you when you die, if you don't see an orb, wait, no, if you don't see a ghost, full stop. Or maybe she's taken all the orbs out of the basket. For those who are uninitiated, Yvette Fielding was a ghost hunter on living TV in the UK. Um, I feel like it doesn't translate past the UK audience. Uh, and for those who are uninitiated, yes, the podcast is always like this. And also, guys, those who haven't seen Most Haunted, look up Derek Akora getting possessed because it's sometimes he just calls Yvette Fielding the C-bomb. Yeah, and also, don't feel bad about me making light of his death because we're pretty sure he's a charlatan who tricked people out of their money. Anyway, moving on. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. This is no, Halloween. Mm? You've got to stop before we have to pay for that. I, you sang it so perfectly. I sang it so beautifully. Uh, I was trying to fit in a Ninja Blevins joke, but I couldn't think of one. This is Blevins. Carry on. Blevins? No. Nope. Uh, absolutely not. My nose is running way too much today. Uh, I hope I'm not possessed by uh beachums that is ectoplasm in your nose <laughs> get venkman up my nose now <laughs> is that too much of a niche reference i don't know there's a movie podcast people should know who peter venkman is anyway let us do it uh this is a special spooky halloween episode because today of course is the spookiest day of the year Shocktober the 31st. Mooha-ha-ha-ha. ha <laughs> Yes, okay. Famous, um, uh, <laughs> famous Beastie Boys song, the Bruhaha. Anyway, let's do it. So, guess what? We got a Shocktober episode. No reviews this week. Ooh. Just booze. And by Good that joke. I mean, <laughs> by that I mean, this is the review, the review of all three of the films we're going to talk about today is boo. <laughs> Okay, so Andy is uninitiated by way of the slasher movie genre. No care for it. No care for it. Never really experienced it. And knows about it. Scream 2, watched in a caravan with my dad. Mm, a good movie. Scream 2 is fine. Scream 2 is okay. Anyway, uninitiated in the ways of a lot of the um, slasher movie franchises, particularly latter stage slasher, mo- slasher movie franchise entries. And quite rightly so, because as time went on, a lot of slasher franchises became nonsense. Today we're going to talk about three of those films. Now I'm initiated. So what we've done is we have watched three films, one from individual franchises. So Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Ooh. We watched uh, Halloween Resurrection Ooh. from the Halloween franchise, obviously. And we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Boo! Um, all three of these are films that killed their individual franchises by in some form or another. <laughs> uh, so, for instance, um, Halloween Resurrection was the movie that killed Halloween until Rob Zombie did a reboot in 2007. Mm-hmm. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare killed that storyline, essentially that timeline, and then Wes Craven went, you've made a right old hash of this, haven't you? And he made New Nightmare a couple of years later. And then we didn't get another mainline version until Freddy vs. Jason in 2004, three, four. A great film, guys. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation killed off Texas Chainsaw Massacre films until 2003 when <laughs> Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes decided to remake <laughs> it with Jessica Biel. As Leatherface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every character, actually. Her agent secured her a great deal. Um, so, these are, I would say, individually, these are probably some of the worst installments in each of these franchises. Yeah. And I think you can probably attest to that, despite not having seen the rest of the franchises. I've seen some of them. Okay, you've seen some, but you haven't seen all. And what you've seen now is three really bad movies. Yeah. I don't think there's any way that you can spin it that would be a what, positive. What would be nice, guys, is if we came into this podcast being like, oh, you got some real good spooks there, Andy. You saw some real good films, but instead, mm. I had to watch three of the... That's the real horror of this podcast. Mm. I had to watch three films that were terrible. Yeah, um, and this is all in aid of uh, assigning 
uh, numerical value to them on a number of different categories. So, Andy will be giving a score of 1 to 5 in the following categories for each film. Unlikeability of protagonist. Celebrity cameos slash actors who went on to better things. Comedy, intentional or otherwise. Shark jumping factor. Now, I left that up to him to decide what he thought was shark jumping about it, but I'm pretty sure after seeing the films, he realised what were the shark jumping moments. Importantly, guys, there were no sharks in any of these films. Mm, True. Well, there was a mention of a shark in Halloween Resurrection when, uh, spoiler alert, Buster Rhymes describes Michael Myers as a killer shark. (laughs) Um, Incoherence of plot. How far it strays from the spirit of the original. Now, he hasn't seen the original for two of these films. I just took guesses. Uh, So he doesn't know. Uh, Illuminati subplot. That's kind of only in there for one. Uh, And unnecessary nudity, which I think covers a lot. Um, So, which film do you want to start with? Which one do you want to start with? Okay, well, let's start with... uh, You know what? Let's start with Halloween Resurrection. Okay. So I'm going to note down the numbers and I'm going to attribute them a point score mm-hmm. all of their own. Um, spoiler alert for all of these films, by the way, guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about them, but like, honestly, I'm not spoiling much. Uh, do you want to do a rundown of the plot of Halloween Okay, so Halloween Resurrection, set a couple of years after the events of Halloween H2O, which was the sort of film that revived it uh, and was good. So I didn't show you that one. Um, so Michael Myers returns to Haddonfield only to find that in his childhood home where he's been living, we think, for some years, uh, they are filming a live-streamed reality TV show, uh, which is the brainchild of Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks. Not as themselves, sadly. Um, I think they could be. Well, I, I don't think either of them are acting, <laughs> I think. Uh and they they employ some college kids to go in with cameras fitted to them and microphones fitted to them to unearth secrets about Michael Myers' upbringing and see what drove him to be this crazy murderer all these years ago. Unbeknownst to them, Michael Myers lives in the house still. Like it's so early 2000s mm-hmm. in the sense of it is a reality TV show mm-hmm. that is online and yep. it's a bunch of teens and you can watch every action... But also, like, in, like, every single way of it was like, this is the real life, but yeah. you have Michael Myers in it. Can we, can we just mention, though, that the the sort of online streaming aspect of it was very progressive for the time. Oh, absolutely. It's not terrestrial TV. It's dial-up, <laughs> dial-up modems. <laughs> the interesting thing, guys, is so every one of the, like, students who have these cameras... Mm. Um, every single one of them, you can watch any of their cameras at any time, unless, for plot reasons, nobody is watching that stream. So, for example, when Michael Myers bursts through a mirror mm. and drags a guy through it, nobody ever sees that, despite the guy looking directly at Michael Myers. Mm. But then when we see the later ones, then we do see Michael Myers, and people dismiss it as it's like a fake thing. And we know his camera is working, because later on, when he's, Michael Myers stares at his dead body, mm-hmm. everyone's like, that's Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, what I would say is, if we start... Like, there's a reason I didn't include plot holes as a category, because <laughs> you would give it, like, 20. Um, so I think the positive stuff about this is Buster Rhymes is funny. He's great. Buster Rhymes, the th- this is the thing is, this this sequel is much reviled by fans of the franchise. I have a special place in my heart for Buster Rhymes' character, Freddy, mm-hmm. because I think he's by far the most charismatic thing about this sequel. And to be fair, about most of the franchise past the first couple. And it really feels like he just went with it we were convinced he didn't have a script yeah there's there's a scene where he just seems to be riffing dialogue and just like didn't even it's a stream of consciousness like it literally goes to him he has a stream of consciousness and then the camera cuts away to another scene i'm like that was there just because they went we have to put this in but, but did but, they have to put it in that's the real question <laughs> yeah because like most of these it is only 87 <laughs> minutes long um there was a point, mm-hmm. and my favourite bit of this entire movie is yeah. there was a point where 
So the company that Buster Rhymes works for has orchestrated a load of different traps and stuff in there. Dangertainment. Like, um, they've, like fake walls with fake bodies behind it, like a, a knife in there, like that's supposedly Mike Myers. So they've kind of, they've done all these things. They've to planted kind of all this it, fake evidence. To try and make it scarier for the people. And one of the things they did is um, have a fake Mike Myers enter the house to scare them. And this is Buster Rhymes in a Mike Myers mask. Yes. <laughs> Only to be followed by... Mike Myers or Michael Myers behind him. No, it was Mike Myers. Donkey, get out of me, hoose. Um, That's right, famous Shrek voice. Does the most turns around, thinks that Michael Myers is another employee and berates him yes. for like five minutes. Yeah. Just solid, it's a long scene, isn't it? It really is. berates it goes him. On. And I don't understand why Michael Myers just doesn't kill him and instead mm. just kind of, it's almost like he does go, oh, yeah. I should be leaving now. Like, I wasn't supposed to be here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, like, barring all of this, we should get to actually scoring this for okay. you. Okay. So, uh, your first category is unlikability of protagonists. So, for this, I'll accept the group of college kids slash... Uh, and I will include Buster Rhymes, because I feel like by the end of it, you are very much invested in his character. I have put a free... Okay. Best of a bad bunch... Let me guess. The three is mostly for Buster Rhymes. Mostly Buster Rhymes, but also I think that like... Oh, well, hey, hang on. Sorry, it's unlikability of protagonists, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it would be higher if it weren't mm. for Buster Rhymes. Also, yes. like, the reason it's higher is because there's the horny guy who is only horny up until the point when plot needs it to be. Mm-hmm. There's um old, I'm going to scare a guy who gets dragged from a mirror. Don't like him. Yeah. Um, Tyra Banks just dances every time. She doesn't do anything but dance. She makes a coffee and dances. And then there's friend who knows that her friend is terrified, but still tries to spook her, mm-hmm. and then calls her a slut when she's called out for it. Terrible script writing. Um, so yeah, there's some people in here that I'm like, I really don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't like you. But there's some people I do like. Like mm-hmm. I think the cook guy is pretty cool. Um, yeah, the cook's kind of fun. Buster Rhymes is good. Um, and then the main girl, I don't Sarah. know. Sarah. Yeah, she's fine. Like, and like like I said yesterday, could you rec- could you recount the name of any of the main characters from any of these three movies? And you got the start letter right, I think, of the, the other is, two. You, you asked, got Sarah right, but you'd seen the film ten minutes before. Well, you asked me this question literally immediately afterwards, and I couldn't answer it. Yeah, you really struggled. Okay, so three for unlikability protagonists, and thank goodness for Sarah and Buster Rhymes. Yeah. That's right, Buster Rhymes. Uh... Celebrity cameo slash actors who went on to better things. Um, four. Four. Buster Rhymes isn't the biggest name, but he's the most fun. Yep, that's true. Like, and Tyra Banks is at this point an established mm. star. So Also, one of the guys is literally a Mr. Nobody who gets a special appearance by. Mm. Uh, you've obviously got uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as well, you mm-hmm. know, cameo there. Uh, Bianca Kailich, who plays Sarah went on to be in that sitcom Rules of Engagement. <laughs> okay. Didn't realise that. And then also in Bosch. And also there's... On um, Amazon. Was it Katie Sarkoff? Katie Sarkoff. She yeah. went on to be in Battlestar Galactica. I, so, I know the name of it. You hadn't got a clue. Uh, so this is good. So four, that's good score. Yeah. And once uh, again, I do think like, they're not the biggest names of these three films, mm-hmm. but Buster Rhymes is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, comedy, intentional or otherwise? Uh, number three. Number I three. Least funny of the three films. Yes, that's apart true. from every moment of Buster's on screen. Yeah, I, I, I think he does so much of the heavy lifting, and I don't know if the director Guys, wanted him to. If he wasn't in this film, it would be a slog. Yeah, I, I got to the point where I, I've seen this film once before years <laughs> ago, and I got to the point when I was rewatching it with you yesterday. That I was like, oh, okay. What I really want is for another another Buster Rhymes scene. <laughs> I was excited every time. Like the thing is, yeah. it was the anticipation that when he comes back, yeah. Um, but there is some. There terrible- was a point where you said, oh, he's been killed with two stabs, and I was like, <laughs> I had to hide that I knew that he didn't just die then. Um, but yeah, there's some terrible dialogue. There's some weird set pieces. One of which I'll come on to a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the next bit. Um, but yeah, like it's hilariously made. Like at one point. Sarah screams so loud, she shatters a glass. Yes. 
That never comes back. Fun fact for you, uh, Bianca Kailich cannot scream and those had to be dubbed in. <laughs> of course. So the one thing that gets her the job is the one thing the actress cannot do in real life. Brilliant. Incredible. Anyway, um, shark jumping factor. There was a moment where Buster Rhymes kung fu's his way past Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. I gave it a four. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is... Uh, I think it's a strong entry for Shark Jumping Factor because you've got Michael Myers being Kung Fu kicked out of a window. Mm-hmm. You've got, uh, number one, glasses shattering from screams, which is kind of a cartoony thing to be doing. Yep. You've also got Mike Myers being, or Michael Myers rather, being berated by Buster Rhymes for a solid three, four minutes <laughs> and being um, like tapped on the head by him. He gets karate kicked into fire mm-hmm. um there's the whole subplot of trick or treat motherfucker y- yes there's also sarah although that also um, falls under comedy i'd say finding out where mike myers is michael myers isn't in the house mm-hmm. using her page master or whatever it's called oh yeah her palm pilot thing yeah like the fact that they're all like there's a house party and they're all watching this which i can i can agree would probably happen like, you think that would happen i think people would slowly um kind of like, but the party was so bumping um but yeah and she's like, oh, you saved my life. And mm. it's like, I imagine Palm Pilots went through the roof after this film. Yeah. Um, I've also got, like, the whole reality TV thing being streamed on the internet. It painfully stinks of just trying to be cool. Yeah, it's very of the moment, isn't it? But genuinely, like, the karate kick, like, because they set it up earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. Buster Rhymes is watching kung fu movies. So for him to then just deliver some kung fu against Michael Myers... Jeff's kiss. Uh, incoherence of plot. I put two. I think the plot is pretty coherent, all things considered. Yeah, it's just not very good. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's very much it follows the formula you would expect it to. Yes, I agree. Uh, there's not too much more to be said about that. No. It's it's early two thousands horror, so it sort of follows a very formulaic pattern. It's exactly but what you It's expect. at least something familiar. Uh, how far it strays from the spirit of the original? Okay, so you might disagree with this, but mm. I put two again. Okay. Because I feel this is pretty much a Halloween film. Yeah. Um, like, the angles of the camera, the music being used, like, mm-hmm. that music is such a huge part of Halloween. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that either of the other two had that sort of identity that this does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think there's there's a shot where um, he was walking around the house and the camera's almost leaning around corners. Yeah. And I felt that feels, to me... Very much like claustrophobic in the sense that I think this feels like a Halloween movie. Yeah. And I think, yes, it helps. I've seen a couple of them. Yeah. Um, And I've seen the original, but it felt very much of the moment. And I think, you know, it definitely strays further away of being like, oh, you know, we kill off the one link we have to this franchise in the first scene. Yeah. You know, Laurie Strode. So we have to do something new. So we're going to go to kind of generic slasher. Yeah. Um, And I think it's that's it trying to stay relevant and doing something new. But actually... It still feels like... Yeah, I agree. I think I would probably have a two or a three for it myself in the sense that I think mostly it feels of that franchise. Mm -hmm. And it probably helps that the director of this film also directed number two. Um, But also the producers are the same and it kind of feels like there is some kind of continuity at least. Yeah. Whereas the other two films in this uh, in this conversation that we're going to be having maybe don't have that. Um, Illuminati subplot zero, not applicable. Yeah, okay, zero for that. And finally, unnecessary nudity. I gave it a three because there is some boobage from the horny teens, and it goes on for a little and while. Some rutting. Yeah, um, and they end up sort of. Like, the reason I gave it free, like, and I didn't go, like, because it's not completely unnecessary. No. Because they do build up the fact that these kids are horny. But, of, of course, the guy is only horny until the point that he gets offered to have sex. And then he yes. decides that suddenly he's more interested in finding a key. Mm-hmm. A very strange character decision from him. But... Like- it's um, the erratic yeah. writing. Okay, so what I'm doing is I'm totting up your total score there, which is 21. Out okay. of potential. Out of potential, however many categories there are, times five. <laughs> but I'm timesing it by 13, the spookiest number. Okay. Which is how we're going to get our final <laughs> our final scores. So your final score is 273 for Halloween Resurrection, brackets, 2002. 
273. So that's a good score. I feel like the fact that it's got zero for Illuminati subplot mm-hmm. might let it down. But who knows? Should we go Elm Street next? I think we should. I think we should go Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, released in 1991, but crucially set in 1999, weirdly. Because <laughs> it says 10 years in the future, and I looked this up, so that should set it in 2001, right? Mm-hmm. Wrong. The official website <laughs> for the movie, that's right, in 1991, there was an official website for the movie? So ahead of its time. Uh, stated that it took place in 1999. Okay. So... Plotline for this, Freddy Krueger, famous uh, comedy guy. Famous naughty man. Famous naughty man, a.k.a. finger glove. Uh, Finger (laughs) glove? Old old slicey fingers. That's just a glove. (laughs) Fingers glove. Um, Yeah, so slicey fingers himself. Um, It's 10 years in the future. It's 1999. And all of the kids of Springwood, Ohio have mysteriously died in either mysterious or sometimes suspicious circumstances. Crazy. Freddy's killed him. Um, There is one teenager left. His name is John. We meet him on a plane, and then he finds... Basically, he escapes from Springwood, and then he goes to an orphanage or a... School... A abandoned troubled Yeah, a troubled teen's uh, home, and together forms a band of unlikely survivors who then have to battle against Freddy in the dream world. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's a it's a nightmare on Elm Street film, guys. You kind of know what we're getting here. Dream scenes, kills in dream scenes, and a lot of people saying bitch. That, that does happen. But to be fair, that also happens in Halloween Resurrection, and they say <laughs> slut as well, so, you know... It swings and roundabouts. So, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Uh, Let's talk briefly before we start scoring. What, I mean, what were your thoughts on this? Because this is bonkers, I think. Like, the script of this one is one of the worst. Like, just in terms of dialogue. Yeah. Like, not only have they got bad dialogue, they've got people who can't speak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The guy who plays John is incredible. He has one of the best moments in his entire film. Yeah. Where he's sleepwalking. And he walks down an alleyway and he goes into a room in this troubled home um, for teens. And there's a guy in the corner in a straight jacket. And like he turns around and it's him. And he goes, I'm your fucking memories, man. Yeah. <laughs> he runs out of the Free room. Me, I'm your fucking memories. And he runs out of the room straight into a security guard who is slowly following him and knocks him straight through a window. Yeah, it's, the, <laughs> like, I, it's either the weakest window or the strongest light push I've ever seen. But the window, he doesn't fall out the window and like, down a story, he falls literally over. onto the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is there. Um, yes, it is. I mean, it is a ridiculous film. I think, and mm. it kind of for me, this embodies what the Nightmare on Elm Street series became in the latter installments. Yeah, it's everything that's wrong with the series, basically, and without much redeeming factors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing is. You can never not you can never say that um, Robert Englund isn't trying his best oh, to yeah, do he's something. Trying, and I think without Robert Englund, obviously this franchise doesn't really work, as we saw with Jackie Earl Haley's performance in 2010's one or nine. Mm-hmm. But I think I've Robert Englund, you the the one you've seen, <laughs> yes. Uh, Robert Englund does try his best to try and carry some kind of charisma over in the same way that Buster Rhymes just had to do Buster Rhymes in Halloween Um, but yeah when when you're the this is very much he is the face of the franchise yeah you're not it suffers from that thing of in the latter installments of a slasher franchise you're never rooting for the good guys so the interesting thing about this film was Mm. I was hating it yeah and then it did something that I didn't expect it to do, which was it was incredibly inventive. Yeah. Basically, by introducing a deaf character who I knew they were going to bring in sooner or later, mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, when he doesn't have his hearing aids, um, can't hear. And then they were very inventive in the way that Freddy tortured him. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's incredibly inventive. And then it never does anything near that good again. You, and mean, I was like, you mean Super Spencer isn't good? <laughs> and I was just like, it's really annoying because I, you're showing me in one film that you have the ability to be smart about utilising these mm. 
like using these personal kind of lives against these teams. Yeah. And you never like the Carlos stuff is really good. And yeah. I was saying it at the time, I was like the t- sense of dread, the sense of tension, and then offsetting that with the kind of kookiness of Freddy Krueger at the same time. Yeah. Really, it works. kind of works. Yeah. And in a better it, film. Mm. And yeah, I think... I think, been... to be fair, it is the best scene in the film, mm. but in a better film, you can imagine that scene really working in a way that the film just Absolutely. doesn't allow it to. Uh, interestingly, that is Robert Englund's favourite kill from any of the films. Yeah. The Carlos kill, because he was like, this just... It's great mm. because it plays on a number of different and levels. It genuinely works, and I think it's, it's, it's great kind of... It's the epitome of Freddy. Mm-hmm. Knowing somebody's weakness and exploiting it. Yeah. Like, horribly exploiting it. And I think he doesn't come anywhere close to that in the rest of this film. No, I think you're right. Um, So, let's move on to scoring, unless you've got anything else you want to say. So, unlikability of the protagonists. Five. Hated every single one of them. Okay. I think Um, they are the worst people. Yeah. Um, Even the ones that I'm supposed to like, hate. The only one I kind of like, the guy who's the dream doctor. Doc. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Everyone great else, name for him. hate him. Yeah. Hate um, Freddy, hate him. Hate flashback people. They're, they're all dicks. Hate them all. Uh, so, celeb- celebrity cameos slash actors who went on to better things. I gave this a four because surprise Johnny Depp took me by surprise. Okay, so you've got in here, surprise Johnny Depp. Didn't expect it and he just appears on a screen for like two minutes and then disappears. You've got uh, protagonist Brecken Meyer. <laughs> who would go on to be in Rat Race. I'm pretty sure that you only And gave, Franklin and Bash. I'm pretty sure you only created this entire episode so we could talk about Breckenmeyer. Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah, he's in it. <laughs> yeah. These these are all big guys. Um, yeah, so... Billy Zane's sister. The main one was Johnny Depp because I didn't yeah. see it come in and I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, Johnny Depp's in this because I knew he'd been in a previous one. Yes, he was in the first one. It was his first film. So we're giving that a four. A four. Okay, that's a strong, strong four. It, t- I like it that. took me by surprise, and that literally was enough to give me that. Comedy, intentional or otherwise? Four. I laughed a lot. It was. <laughs> like, the dialogue delivery is perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think otherwise is the key word there because I'm not sure all of it was intentional. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, it loses a point for mm. trying to be funny. Yeah, the puns don't work, but what does work is that guy's delivery of, I don't know who I am. <laughs> it's very good. Okay, this is this is. Strong. I must be his son. <laughs> uh, shark jumping factor. Um, okay, I put three. Okay. Um, main things that are jumping the shark. One of the deaths is a video game, and the whole death sequence is Freddy playing a video game and him being like, Yeah, I forgot the power glove. Yeah, yes. Um, I don't think they got Nintendo's permission to say that. They couldn't be bothered having Freddy go near this kid, so they just did it as him sitting down with a joystick. Yeah, again, I, they're playing very fast and loose with the rules, but I think that also plays into uh, a couple of uh, categories' time. Um, the Dream Demons. So, um, yes. you said that apparently these aren't a real thing. Like, well, well, just, until this they point. come in very late in the day in the franchise, is all I'd say. And it's like, oh, Freddy made a pact with these demons that saved his life and made him But able- he has to be, like, topped up with souls of children and yeah. stuff. Never like, think as, a, as, as a point in the plot to introduce six films, seven films deep. The great thing about this, guys, is they make the film go 3D. And you could tell that they, in the cinema, mm. so there's a point where... the his daughter goes into a dream to basically go and capture Freddy. Spoiler alert, it's his she, daughter. she puts on the 3D glasses <laughs> to signal to the audience, you have to put your this 3D is glasses the time on to put now. Your 3D and they disappear on. from her face because she'd look ridiculous because it's the old like cardboard things with yeah, the red and green That lens. say 3D on them. And then like a load of stuff starts coming towards the screen like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa. And then like at one point... All of a sudden, like she's out of the dream at this point, mm-hmm. and the glasses reappear around her face, and she takes them off, so the audience know we can now take off our glasses. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, th- that was called Freddy Vision in the movies <laughs> theaters, um, and presented as some kind of gimmick. So bear in mind, this is 1991, so it's that weird period where it's that second. So you kind of had that first thing of 3D way mm-hmm. back when. 
and then you have this second resurgence with this and a couple of the um, uh, Friday the 13th movies yeah. had it. And then it disappeared and then came back for Monsters vs. Aliens in 3D. <laughs> Wait, Avatar. Avatar I, okay. I guess that's more of it. <laughs> Clash of the Titans. Um, um, so three for Jumping the Shark. Yeah, another thing. Mm. Maybe it should be a four. I thought that was low, I have yeah, to say. Maybe a four. Um, the other thing is... Um, that the kids of this place have been making weapons that are all stored in a Chekhov's <laughs> pipe bomb. <laughs> One of the kids made a pipe bomb, and they're just like, "Go put it with everything else." There are ninja stars. There's like multiple blades. Like, I think there's uh, there's a baseball bat with like um, yes, with nails, nails put through it, which obviously they kind of stole for Negan in The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, okay, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think for they say like. Oh, I'll go and put this with the arsenal, and then they go down later in the film, and, and there genuinely is. Yeah, you're gonna make an arsenal pun. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna go. Tony Adams is oh, sitting down there. Fabregas is the okay. first one I thought. <laughs> I went old school, and you went <laughs> maybe not so beloved anymore since he <laughs> didn't go back. Anyway, that's by the by. So we're gonna yeah, give we'll it a four for shark jumping factor. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Incoherence of plot. Okay, so once again, I think you're gonna think I've gone low here. Mm. Because I've gone for free. Okay. But it's because my my quantifying statement is, this is as stupid as I expected it to be. Okay. I think I maybe would have gone slightly higher because of things like the Dream Demons. But I think by, uh, for the the most part, it is a fairly run-of-the-mill... You kind of know what you're getting. It's like, oh, Freddy somehow have got, his mitts on a whole new group of people. They're all trying not to sleep, but they're sleeping. And guess what? Now we've got to fight Freddy. Let, let me put it this way. This is the one that I expected was going to sit second in incoherence of plot stakes. And I'll be honest with you. You've already guessed that the other one <laughs> earlier wasn't going to be number one. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that's fine. So we're going to go with a three there. I think that's probably fair. Uh, how about how far it strays from the spirit of the original? Well, it's no Jackie or Haley, is it? <laughs> um, I've put two. Okay. Because I feel this, once again, was always as stupid as Elm Street was. Right. Like, I just think, I don't know if it's just because I know that Freddy is a comedy character. Mm. Like, let's be honest, he's just as common comedic as he is horrifying. Mm. And the film is definitely one of those where I'm just like, I see that this has got all the hallmarks of what I expect mm. in it. So I, I would have gone it's... much higher. I would have gone with a four. I suppose because he was never this comedic. In it was never this cartoonish in the first one. I think I've seen like another one as well as this one. Yeah, I know one. I've seen. I've seen Freddy versus Jason. Yes, you have. And he's comedic in that one. Yes, and again, it it sort of tails off. What's interesting is that the film after this. New Nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's completely like it's such the other way around in terms of the darkness of the character is brought out because it's supposed to be Freddy is some kind of manifestation of this weird evil thing, mm-hmm. and that feels like it. It takes it past where it was in the first film, even of like this guy. This is just a genuine evil presence. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first film. There is still this slightly bizarre element to and it, and I suppose the end is weird. Like the end, kind of thirds. Should we meet in the middle and say three? Then no, I'm happy with you. Like, I'm happy with you saying two. For me, it just if I'm you very, don't think it's as good as Jackie Earl Haley, that's fine. I was just watching it, just like this is kind of what I thought it would be. Yeah, it, it's it feels to me like this is what Freddy is. Okay, well let's go with two. That's fine. Um, Illuminati subplot zero zero once zero, again. Unfortunately, mm, very sad. Uh, and unnecessary nudity. Zero. Zero. None in this. No nudity. Mm. No boobs. No willies. That's absolutely true. No bums. As far as I know, no bums. Uh, so that gives you a total score for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare of... Do you think it's higher or lower than Halloween? I think it's higher, but only just. 22 compared to 21. So we times that by unlucky number 13... Oh, it should have been unlucky number 11. <laughs> 286 points. Ooh. Now, we move into the very interesting territory here of maybe the most batshit insane of the three. 
Okay, remove the maybe. It is. Uh, so, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, released in 1994, originally titled The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and also kept in a vault for a couple of years until <laughs> Jerry Maguire came out mm-hmm. before it was actually properly released. So I think it did like a festival run or something like that because I think it debuted, I was going to say at Sundance. I don't think that's right. South by Southwest, I think it, de- it debuted at. And then sat in a vault until Jerry Maguire came out and Renee Zellweger was an established star yeah. and then got released despite Matthew McConaughey's agents trying to block it from being released ever. <laughs> um, so this is the the final installment of the original run of Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Um, so obviously featuring Leatherface prominently. Mm-hmm. And this, fe- this focuses on a group of teenagers who get into a car crash on their prom night. Leave the prom too early, I'd say. Like, they arrive at prom and then they leave prom. And like, Within the first three minutes of the movie. You see Renée Zellweger getting ready for prom. And then all of a sudden she's in the back of a car. Yeah. Apparently smoking weed. Mm. So she's a naughty Awful. girl. Despite them trying to play her as, you know, this good girl. Mm. Naughty. And they run into and uh, get, I mean, variously hacked up and sliced up by Leatherface's family. Do they? Kind of. Do they? Because you can say, oh, they get hacked up and slashed up. One guy gets run over, and then the others, I think, just generically die. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, just well, one of them away. definitely doesn't generically die. She has her head crushed in by a boot. Oh, she does, doesn't she? I forgot about that. I genuinely thought that she just fell over and died at one point. Okay. <laughs> I forgot so, that that happened. So, let's... <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not on screen, so maybe that's why. Uh, let's talk about this film just briefly, then. What are your general general thoughts to Texas Chainsaw Massacre the Next Generation? It's a journey. Yeah. Like I went through some things. Mm. Um my jaw hurt by yeah. the end of it. Like my God, is it funny? Yeah. Um Is it supposed to be? That's the question. Everything is just really weird. So like some so the weirdest thing about this whole film mm. is that it was written by the guy who wrote the original. Yeah. But seems to not pay attention to at, anything at all. I don't think he pays attention to his own previous writing. Mm. Like I, I don't mean that like him going. Oh, I don't want to listen to Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. No, I think he's started writing this script and then forgets what he wrote in the first two pages. Yeah. Um. Like I love the fact that the film starts and you go, okay, so we're at prom. Yeah. Um, so we've got some youngsters, mm-hmm. but also Texas Chainsaw Massacres happen in the wilderness. So we got to get these kids out of here. What are we going to do? I don't know, just get them in a the car and start driving. Where are you driving to? Who knows? Yeah. Let's just send them out somewhere. Yeah, that, that really just, just feels like it's an excuse to get them from there and, and then <laughs> to anywhere. One of us just like, oh, just imagine, guys, if we got hit by a car and then we all died. And, and then, then they do wrote get songs. hit by a car. <laughs> And I really wish that somebody had written a song about this film, mm. just to kind of manifest her entire kind of like her preview. Thing of that's um, how she wanted to go out, hit by a car, and then someone writes a song about them. Uh, would you say that the characters within this feel like real people at all? Nothing in this film feels real. <laughs> like. I genuinely was there, just like, I don't know what this is. Mm. Like, I didn't know where... So, you know when you watch something, and like, even in a horror film, there's kind of like a progressive tension. Yeah. And like, you get build-up and release. Mm. This entire film is build-up. Like, almost as though it's like anxiety-ridden, because <laughs> it just keeps going, and you don't know what... And there's like moments But did you like, ever feel well, tense in it, or no, was it just build-up of nonsense? It's build-up, and then it's continuous release. Yeah. And it's just like, okay... This is this is crazy. What's happening here? And then he goes, "Oh, by the way, now nothing's going to happen." Yeah. So it's almost like um, what I would describe it as is a balloon that is filled from two ends, but you are blowing into one end, so you can see it building up there. But at the same time, it's just all escaping out the other end. It's all erratic. the time. Um, yeah. And it's great. Yeah. Like, I would say this is probably the most fun. I don't think I will ever watch this film again. No, and I wouldn't want you to. But I'm glad to have lived 
in yeah. the timeline where I did watch okay. it. Okay, uh, so let's <laughs> so let's get into so let's get into scoring this. So we have uh, first of all, unlikability of protagonists. So in case you need reminding of who your protagonists are in this movie, you have Renee Zellweger mm-hmm. as Jenny, which no one ever would have remembered. Uh, you have, uh, I guess, Sean. <laughs> Barry and Darla, is that right? Or Heather? It's Heather, not Darla. Darla's the real estate agent. So I've given it a score, and I mm. don't know whether I've gone too low. Yeah. I've gone four. Okay. Basically, all of them, I've put here, all of them are as likable as the antagonists. Okay. Like, yeah. on a likability scale. I agree. I agree on that point. I don't think I like any of these. No. But like... I think I gave it a four because I was like, oh, I didn't hate them as much as I hated the protagonists in Elm Street because I do think they're all horrible people. Yeah. This one, I'm like, oh, at least there's a little bit of light and shade with Renee Zellweger. Like, she, they're trying... Like, I don't really like, understand who she is. Yeah. When they're writing her as one person, then she seems like an all right person. Yeah. But when they forget what they've already written and start just writing her in a completely different way... Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I don't like her. Yeah. So that's probably why it gets that kind of point leeway. Okay. Uh, celebrity cameo slash actors who went on to better things. So this is, I mean, this is a gold mine for two. I at put least. four. Yeah. I'd never guess there would be future Oscars in this cast. But I'd say when you look at the performances in this, it was clear that those two were going to be big. <laughs> What? Really? I think well, McConaughey, you, yes. You thought McConaughey would have a career after this. Yeah, because he's so fucking... Right, take, I think he treats this material with the respect it deserves, look, which is zero respect. the fact that you know that he's had a career. Okay, fine. Right, and I think back, mm-hmm. th- imagine, this is the first McConaughey movie you've ever seen. Fine, okay, I would have thought that he would have done this and then maybe retired from acting. You'd thought he'd have the career of the person who played his wife, who has, in this, did like two films afterwards and then disappeared. Yeah. Uh, and Renée Zellweger, like, how? Yeah, two Oscars for her. Like, in this film, <laughs> like, she comes across as one of those people that you would just... But I like, did say, when I was watching it with McConaughey, I could believe that he was in failure to launch ten years later. <laughs> yes. Like, you can imagine that kind of career. Big movie! <laughs> um, but yeah. Renee Zellweger just no like it's such a it's such a vanilla performance like mm-hmm. and you know once again you're working with what you're given like you're yeah. not given the best script but like the performance is very wooden it's very mm. kind of but to be fair like weirdly so when was her first Oscar? Uh, Two thousand three for Cold Mountain. And that after Bridget Jones. Uh, I think Jones. it was maybe the same year. Because I was going to make the point of... Bridget Jones. I uh, know. I think Bridget Jones predated it, yeah. If I'd watched Bridget Jones... Yeah. And you went to me, Renee Zellweger would win an Oscar, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. Um, I think that basically she's capable of like... I mean, nobody even saw Judy <laughs> and she won an Oscar for that. I've seen the trailer many times uh, because you? it's in between the football. Okay. Oh, you see. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, won't forget about me, will you? Um. So, hang on. What was your score for that? Four. Four for that as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's good. And then, should that be five? No, we'll keep it as four. Why I think four is fine. I think, but I mean, you know, McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, big stars now. Mm-hmm. You would never have thought it at the time, would you? But hey, that's good. Um, comedy, intentional or otherwise. Five. Absolutely, I think this, this is this is the funniest of the made four, me of the laugh three. so much. There was one point where I could not stop laughing, mm. and you went to me. You really enjoyed that, didn't you? And I just kept laughing. <laughs> Which bit was that? I can't even remember. Maybe it's the um, guy with the three rings. Yes, yes. Um, that made me laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the bit. We've um <laughs> when Leatherface is just streaming. Yeah. <laughs> when I realised that he looks like mankind. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bit where he's running up the roof and he's just going Whoa! Yes. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Um I think it might be it might be the um 
the guys arriving at the house. Yeah, that was very funny. But yeah, I laughed so much. Like, my eyes were watering. Mm-hmm. My, like I said, my jaw hurt. My shoulders ached from just bouncing. Uh, shark jumping factor. Um, I think you'll find, my friend, this is a five. Okay. Um, so, I've written a little thing. So much of this feels like a franchise out of ideas. They couldn't even work out how to get into the house, so they're just like, sure, they drive there. One character just does quotes, cross-dressing, robotic leg battle. So, Matthew McConaughey has a robotic leg, and it is controlled, for some reason, by a controller, only at times when it needs to be. Sometimes, he just walks. And there's one point where René Zellweger has one of the controls, and he has the spare remote, and they battle to make his leg crunch and straighten yeah uh, what's interesting about the remotes is it's not one remote it's like any old remote will do yeah so it can have as many or as few buttons on as you want and it could be for any other purpose but he's been repurposed to do this and yet like it should only have two things which is up and down um there's an old there's one assumed old dead there's one assumed dead old man yeah. who walks off screen holding a knife never and seen again. never comes back. <laughs> never seen again. Um, and yeah, the cross-dressing thing's weird because it's like, I said to you, is this a thing that like Leatherface was known for? And I don't think, uh, I, I'll be happily corrected by anyone, but I'm not sure he's ever dressed as a woman before. But like, but you could possibly goes, say that that feeds into the character. Yeah, but the best thing is, he goes from wearing what it literally looks like mankind's mask. Mm-hmm. It's like a bit of leather just on his face. Like, yeah. Um, and he's got the mullet of Mick yeah. Foley. And then he goes to literally looking like Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to sort of glamour puss version yeah. of Mrs. Doubtfire. Which is my favourite version of Leatherface in this entire film. Well, it's the one that you probably get the most of, I'd say. Um, well, maybe not, actually. You do get Mankind for a lot. There's also a point that one of the... Matthew McConaughey is killed by a plane. <laughs> yeah, um, a, plane from, a plane that arrives out of nowhere, <laughs> takes him out, and then yeah. flies off. Because it's just crop dusting. And that's what it's doing. It's just there, crop dusting. And then it's like, oh, I'll go kill that guy. Um, there's the old couple in their van who are drinking their... Their Bloody Marys. Bloody Marys. And then they're like, don't stop, but we'll open the door to get to But also, it's like, they're driving through a field. <laughs> because they're going on their holidays. Um, oh, And then I've got... One I'll come back to, which is probably the biggest shark jumping moment. Yeah, I think we'll we'll bring that up later. Okay, I think five is absolutely deserved here. I think you possibly could have given it a six. Um, I'm even missing stuff out. Incoherence of plot. That's a five. Yeah, none 100%. of this plot makes sense. Again, I would have accepted a six happily here as well. So none of the plot makes sense. So much padding out, and everything just devolves into screams. Mm. So many of the points in this film. People just shout at each other. Yeah, we did establish that there is just there are scenes in this that are just noise on top of noise. Like there's one point where like Leatherface screams, Renee Zellweger screams, McConaughey Matthew screams. McConaughey does his fucking Tuscan Raider impression. His wife is screaming, mm-hmm. and the brother is quoting because that's all he ever does. Yeah, and it, you hear it constantly in the background. His, his quote was, "That's Chewbacca." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think a five is absolutely deserved here. Uh, how far it strays from the spirit of the original? I've given this a five. Yeah, I would have I, I accepted a ten on this one, I I'd think. Put, there is none of that sweaty hillbilly horror that comes with the original. So I've never seen mm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think I said to you I'd never wanted to. Yeah. Um, it just Because you knew the reputation yeah, it came with. it just with. doesn't seem my, my thing. Like, yeah. I don't want anything for that, that kind of kind of close like yeah it feels too much for me mm-hmm. um so i've just never gone and seen it and this one doesn't seem a to be a horror movie b they just went well he's gonna have a chainsaw so we'll give it him at times and yeah. he's run around and then at the end they go oh shit he hasn't had a chainsaw for a while give it back to him mm. but like it doesn't feel that kind of so every single thing i've seen of the original there is a closeness to the heat. Yeah. Like, it seems like a very sticky film, and that's one of the kind of horrors you have to go through, is the fact that this place is not only grim as fuck, but also, like, the weather isn't really going to help you here. Mm-hmm. And there's none of that here. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't... Like, 
it doesn't seem like take the chainsaw off Leatherface. This could be anything. Yeah, this is not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. No, and I suppose you could probably say that of other ones, like take the chainsaw off him. But I think you still have like a style. Yeah. The closest this comes to what I feel is the original or Mm -hmm. the other Texas Chainsaws is at the very, very end, as the credits roll, Leatherface is running in circles, swinging the chainsaw wildly. Just like at the end of the first one. And I think that's the closest it gets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Illuminati subplot. Five. There's a bloody Illuminati subplot. And I love it. It really is out of fucking nowhere. Like, it's it's hinted at throughout the mm. thing, but you just presume that it's, you know, a crazy yeah. person talking about crazy conspiracy theories. And then they fucking turn up, and you're like, oh, there's a pre-existing relationship between <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and this weird Illuminati lizard man. And it's almost Cabin in the Woods-esque, because the guy's like, you know what you're here. You're here to... You're here to instill fear into them. You're yeah, I want make- these people to know the meaning of terror. Or horror, and it's just like we ain't. And, and like, <laughs> We're not you know, feeling that at that all. Kind of thing in Cabin in the Woods, where they're like, "Oh, you know, oh, we have a job here. Like, mm-hmm. we're here because we have to, you know, create horror to scare people." Like he's there, like, "Oh, you've got like this is your job. You're part of the Illuminati, Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. We gave you your mechanical leg." He doesn't say that, but I'm going to assume he did. Um, you know, he's like, "You know what your job is," and then he's like, "Oh, by the way, I got free nipple rings, but they're on my they're on my stomach." <laughs> It's very weird. <laughs> like, and there's one tall guy who doesn't say anything, and then they, they, they <laughs> his driver is unnaturally tall, right? Yeah, and they have this thing where they have this conversation. I'm having a kind of case, like, like I'm not gonna, not gonna lose face in front of this guy, but at the same time, you can tell he's scared. The guy goes away. Matthew McConaughey kills this woman, like stamps on her head, yes, um, in kind of retaliation, and then. Nothing has heard of the Illuminati until the last five minutes of the film. Yeah. Where they just turn up again and Renny Zellweger's in their car. Yeah. Um, and then he takes her to a hospital because the experiment failed. Brilliant. Like, why are they in this? And was it because you realised your film was 30 minutes long and went, we need to add something. I'll put in, I can put in another 30 minutes of screams, mm. but I'm really going to have to put 20 minutes of something else in here. Again, this is another film where they really knew it was 84 minutes. <laughs> Apparently this is a... Oh, no, hang on. Was this the... No, sorry. It was Freddy's Dead uh, that had, like, 15 minutes cut from it. Who knows why. Uh, unnecessary nudity. I've given this a five. Yeah. Uh, because it's the, so it's, the, it's the shortest... Not the shortest amount of nudity, because that's Freddy's Dead. It's not long... No, it like, is, it a, is flash, a scene, a flash in a scene. just whaps her baps out for no reason. Like, she turns around and she goes, oh, i got to give the boys in the neighbourhood something to see. Yeah, like, I think there's someone supposed to be driving by and Well, somebody throws a brick through the window. Oh, that's, that's what happens. That was one somebody of these. Somebody throws a brick through the window and her response is, I'll show my tits. By the way, I think that window is fixed when we go back to that place <laughs> later on in the film. Um, and... They're like, oh, shouldn't you do something about it? She's like, no, you know, you just got to give him a little something. And the guy's like, no, you don't. Mm. And yeah, it's it's the most unnecessary. Like, the thing about Halloween is you can understand why there's nudity. Yeah. Like, A, it's a horror film, so there's got to be nudity. But you can understand character-wise why yeah. they are doing what they're doing. They're just horny teens. This one, you're just like... And this is their first time of meeting this woman. Yeah. Like, literally, within like a minute of speaking to her. Mm-hmm. She's like, there you go, there are my breasts. Um... So, that's it. That's your total. Do you think it's higher or lower than the others? Oh, this is high. Like, this is high. So... I think this could probably beat the others without being times by 30. <laughs> so, this is uh, a total of 38. So, that's a huge disparity between those two. And times that by 13, you've got a total, a scary total of 494. So, I mean, we really ramped up in terms of the uh, in terms of the levels of insanity. Halloween, a relatively reserved mm-hmm. two seven three. Freddy's Dead, I thought was maybe going to have a better chance of breaking three hundred, but even that only got to two eighty six. <laughs> Fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre: Next Generation is close to cracking the five hundred mark. And guys, 
I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm not even doing this just like, oh, let's just give it some high scores. Like, all of those scores are justified. Oh, yeah. 100% justified. <laughs> and like I said, I probably would have accepted sixes on this film across the board. Because it's just... It, it, it's one of these films where you go, I can understand why that killed the franchise. But then again, I could probably understand why the other two killed their franchises yeah. as well. Because happy, you know, happy Halloween, Michael, or whatever, and you know, trick or treat, motherfucker. That feels like that is a shark jumping moment that you can't really come back from. <laughs> Freddy's dead. You kind of feel like they were winding that down anyway. That was mm-hmm. the last one in the thing, and it was planned to be. But this is just like it's clearly, this is just a case of where else do you go? You've already it's, put in the Illuminati. It's an absolute beautiful catastrophe. Mm. And it's one of those where I'm like, don't go and watch because it's terrible. But if you do, it's also hilarious. Like, yeah. If you want something on Halloween where there's a group of you sitting around drinking, maybe you know, maybe not this year. Yeah. Or maybe you will put it on at the same time. You load up Zoom. Yeah, do a what do a Zoom watch along, but make sure you have drinks and make sure mm-hmm. no one is trying to watch the film and listen to everything. Because well, you will be laughing. It because it's going to scream. <laughs> um, like, basically, they listen to Jerry Hallowell's scream if you want to go faster, and they're going at the speed of light. Um, it is, yeah, it's one of the most baffling movies I think you could ever want to watch. I weirdly enjoyed it. This Okay, so this is how I wanted to end it. I wanted to ask you, of the three, which did you enjoy the most? Because I think Freddy's uh, Dead is the last place i'm gonna say is that right right in terms of kind of sadistically enjoyed mm. or actually enjoyed for the movie like if okay let's, to, well let's do both which is the best okay so which movie, which did you yeah which did you enjoy as a movie most freddy's dead okay because i think it's the only one out of all three that has a genuine moment of ingenuity about it okay. and a genuine kind of craft and in out, any of its kills out of pure sadistic pleasure texas chainsaw massacre the return i think this i think it's, it's so much fun despite being so awful and so painful to sit through and i'm glad that we kind of so we watched two and then we watched one yeah and i'm glad we didn't watch another one after texas chainsaw and we waited the next day to watch halloween yeah because i think i wouldn't have been able to enjoy halloween sure because i was coming down off that Texas Chainsaw Yeah, I think it's a hard act to follow, isn't it? Um, But yeah, it's pure sadistic kind of absolute nightmare fuel of a film. Yeah. And put it in my veins. Let me me take in that Halloween fun. Let me get that pumpkin spice right into my heart. (laughs) Pumpkin spice. Uh, Right, so that's where we're going to have to end it this time then. So that's it for this Shocktober, as always, of jam-packed schedule. Never promise anything. Mm -hmm. Uh... (laughs) We'll be back next year. I don't know. Um, next year, I'll come in riding a horse without a head. Oh. Spooky. And under your arm, pumpkin spice. <laughs> <laughs> so many lattes. Um, so, as always, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Twitter, we're at DinosaurMan15. Everywhere else, DinosaurMan Podcast. Uh, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review. Leave us a if you've seen any of these movies. Let us know. And if you've seen all three of these movies, why? And because you made me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Johnny needs to the theme song this time. I guess it was like backing vocals were provided by um, Matthew McConaughey. No, this time. <laughs> this time it was a weird rock soundtrack to something not that interesting, oh, God, which happened this. in at least two of these films. Yeah, and happened a lot in um, Texas. Dead. Well, oh no, I was thinking Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> there was a, just a lot of different. Every Did time he's free. Because it definitely happened in Halloween, yeah, and it yeah. definitely happened in Freddy's mm-hmm. Dead. Yeah, all three of them suffer from having generic rock that is probably performed by relatives of people who were involved in the movie, so they don't have to pay any royalties. Um, yeah, as always, you have... No, you've not been the host. You've been sort of the victim. <laughs> yes, and I have been the killer. You have been the host, like in that Shudder film, The Host. Yes, uh, just host, I think, actually. The host is the Bong Joon Ho film. Okay. A much like, better film. You were like the monster in the oh, host. And you and you know what you are? You are the guest in the guest. Like David Guest. 
Yes, like David Guest, the man who was clearly an alien. Um, thank you, as ever, for joining us, guys. Yes. Back to news and reviews for next week. Um, Normal service resumed, thank God. Until next time. Keep oh, it. Hey, Alex, what are you doing with that knife? Put it, da- put it down. Oh, no, he's killed me. And I was the Illuminati all along. <laughs> I want them to know the meaning of podcasts. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you next week. Oh.